Good morning. Good morning. Just getting the microphone sorted, and here we are. We're ready to go. Now, I suppose that many of you have heard the phrase, um, good girl gone bad, because it's the name of a perfume, and it's the name of a, the title of a song by Rihanna, Good Girl Gone Bad. I, I haven't heard it. <laughs> but, you know, I have seen it. So there you go, seen it on the internet and things like that. But also, it's the story of some women's lives as they go from sweet little girls or even from stroppy little girls to troubled teens to young women living in messy situations, sometimes involving abusive relationships, drugs, debt, addiction, violence, and even crime. And often they're alienated or out of reach of their families and people who really care about them and love them. Good Girl Gone Bad is a catchy title for a popular song, but those words are really tragic and dangerous when it's someone's life, and especially if that someone is your loved one. A couple of lines from Rihanna's chorus say, easy for a good girl to go bad, and once we're gone, we're gone forever. Well, the grammar's not too flash. And it's not even true. I mean, yes, good girls do go bad, but as many praying parents know, they can turn around and become good again. And then there are those girls who maybe were bad from the, the day that they started stamping their little feet around and exerting their own little will. But they can change, and they can go good. God looks into the heart of bad girls and sometimes he sees a seed of faith that can be watered and nurtured and coaxed into life. And so he sends the warmth of his love and the water of his word and the seed grows and in time the bad girl changes. And you know, that's a real encouragement for us to keep on sowing seeds of love and truth into all kinds of people even when it seems like, oh no, you wouldn't think anything would ever happen. Keep on sowing those seeds. And of course this applies to bad boys too. With God on the scene, anyone can change. It's just that we, we're going to be looking at a bad girl today. And Heather was a bad girl. A girl called Heather, she was a big earner. She used to pull in $2,000 a night as a stripper and not exactly a prime candidate for being on the pastoral staff and doing pastoral work. But to cut a long story short, one day she happened to go to a church where prodigals and strippers were welcome. And that day she was saved and her life began to be radically turned around. And in time, she became a part of the church staff. Well, she ditched and the strip shows, obviously, when she got saved. And when she took on the job on the, st on the church staff, she took a massive pay cut. But Heather is a great example of a bad girl gone good. And God can do that. Rahab was a bad girl of the Bible. And I'm just going to read 
Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, but you're probably best just to listen to my version of it because I've cut out quite a bit to shorten it. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, so he sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you. But the woman had hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but at dusk the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies. Before the spies, spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. And I'll just leave verse 10 and 11 for now. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless, when we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you have brought all your family into your house." Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. And so she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So we see that Rahab was a prostitute. She was a bad girl from an idolatrous race of people. Not exactly your first choice of who to include in the genealogy or the family tree of the Messiah or to be named among the heroes of faith. And from the time of Josephus, who was a Jewish historian about the time of Jesus, from that time right up to the present, that's, you know, 2,000 plus years, both Jewish and Christian writers have tried to prove that Rahab wasn't a prostitute. And they try to make out that she was an innkeeper and that she was a respectable woman with a respectable business. But God is not scared of anyone's dodgy past. He doesn't close his eyes and try and pretend that it didn't happen. God can handle the truth because he went to great pains and made the most enormous sacrifice to deal with every kind of past. There are no cover-ups in the Bible. And yes, Rahab was a prostitute. So what can we learn from Rahab the prostitute? Well, first of all, as we see, she had a past. 
And yay, she was one of us. She was born with a sinful nature. And we all know that we're going to be careful how we judge other people because we might see them as real bad sinners, but actually we're all in the same boat. The truth is that each and every one of us has a past from the mass murderer, the violent gang member, the drug dealer, whatever, right on down to the biggest Miss Goody two-shoes in the world, we all have a past. Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned is the reason why Jesus came and sacrificed his own sinless life to pay the costly ransom to get us out of the grip of sin and legally to clear the way for us to be forgiven. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, that's on Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of us all. Now Matthew's genealogy or family tree of Jesus highlights something very important about Rahab and this applies to all of us, to every sinner with a past and that is the truth that she had a past but God had a future. Matthew chapter 1 verse 3 and 5 and 6. This is just a family tree here. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Abed, whose, Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, and that's Bathsheba. And if you look at these women here, Tamar and Rahab were prostitutes. Ruth was like a real top-quality girl, but she was a Moabites, and that was like a Gentile, a foreigner, who the Jews despised, although, of course, they came to really love and respect Ruth. And Bathsheba committed adultery. So all these women had a past of sorts, but God had a future for them. And together, they just show us God's grace for all people of all, all types, I mean all time, with all kinds of dodgy pasts. I read about a man who committed a horrible murder while he was in the process of carrying out another crime. And he was caught and convicted and given a long prison sentence. But through God's grace, he got saved while he was in prison. And praise God for prison ministries is so needed. And then apparently because of overcrowding in the prison, but really by the grace of God, he was released after he'd served only eight years of his sentence. And now he's the pastor of a church of nearly 3,000 members. He had a past, but God had a future. And we all know this, but we have to keep reminding ourselves that we just have to be so careful not to judge or not to label other people, especially people who are different or have a different walk of life to us, because we see the past, but God sees the future. And when we label or judge people, the trouble with that is like 
when we've done that, it's kind of hard to see past the label or past the judgment. But God sees past. And often the first word of a label is just, you know, like we're just Westies or just addicts, just children, just homeless, just this, just that, just don't count. A hardened criminal was serving a prison sentence for rape and for murder, and he was put into this rehabilitation program, and as part of the program, he had to see a counsellor. He didn't want to do that, but he had no choice, so he wasn't happy about it, and he started off really angry and aggro, and he went in and he said, I killed a prostitute. And the counsellor said, no, you didn't. And he said, yes, I did. I killed a prostitute. No, you didn't. And they went on having this argument for a little while. And then the criminal was so mad, in the end, he just bellowed, I killed a prostitute. And the counsellor said, no, you didn't. You killed a woman. And the criminal just collapsed. He fainted and fell on the floor. And my guess is that when the counsellor said the word woman, it was like just ripping off that prostitute label. And in the, crim the criminal's twisted thinking, you know, prostitute was someone who didn't count, but when you took that off, it was like, oh, this is someone who does count. This is a real human being. And he was confronted with having killed someone who actually mattered and he couldn't handle it and he just collapsed. Now, we don't know how or why Rahab ended up as a prostitute, but God does. We don't know how a lot of people end up where they are, but God knows. But we just need to be careful to try not to label or judge and just keep in mind that they are human beings made in the image of God and more than anything else they need to know God and so we've just got to try and sow those seeds like the youth do when they do breakfast for the homeless. Now there would have been people in Jericho who looked down their noses at Rahab but God looked down and he saw a hero of faith and so he sent those two spies to rescue her and to get her lined up to take her place in the earthly genealogy of his son. You see, God takes everything into account and in his eyes, this bad girl was somebody special. Now, people back then didn't have the stats that we know today. They wouldn't have known that the average age for a girl to get coerced into prostitution is 13. They wouldn't have known that 85% of prostitutes have a history of childhood incense and sexual assaults, often at the hands of their father. But God knows. Now, we all know that Rahab was no Miss Goody Two-Shoes, for sure. We remember her as Rahab the harlot or the prostitute Rahab, but God remembers her for her faith, and that's what pleases God. Hebrews 11, verse 31, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab had a past. God had a future. 
and you think, well, how did she make that transition for that sad, bad, you know, awful history into God's wonderful destiny by faith? Probably not one huge, great leap of faith. We all know it's not usually like that. It's a journey, and we're all on that journey from, you know, go to woe, as it were. But I think it was a journey for her, and I think she was underway with that journey before the spies even came to her house. I'll just go back to these verses that we left out of Joshua chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Rahab said, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is, an, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Well, who had been talking to Rahab about God? I think she'd been hearing the stories about the Israelites and their God from the people of Jericho as far back as she could remember. It had been 40 years now since they had begun their journey. And maybe some of her clients told her that the Israelites were a force to be reckoned with. She'd heard the stories of their escape from Egypt about crossing the Red Sea their wanderings in the wilderness and their recent victory over the Amorites. And what she heard was enough to reach the right conclusion for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message. She had heard. And that's why we need to be reading the Bible every day, hearing the message, and then God can speak a word of faith to us. The people of Jericho worshipped the idol Ashtaroth, the goddess of the moon, and apparently it was among the worst and the most degrading religions of the Canaanites. And so it's really amazing that out of all the Canaanites, this young prostitute was the one that came to understand that the God of the Israelites was the one true living God. And I think to help, she most likely had a revelation from God. God saw her heart and gave her a revelation. As Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 17, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So when the two spies showed up at her house, she knew who they were, probably another revelation from God, and she hid them. And when the king's men came looking for the spies, she covered for them and sent them off in the wrong direction. And amazingly, they didn't search her house. That's got to be a God thing. After sending the king's men off, Rahab went back up to the spies. She kept them hidden until it was dark, and then she helped them escape. She gave them good advice on how to keep out of danger, and in return, she wanted them to do her a favor by preserving her and her family when they came to destroy the city of Jericho. And they assured her, our life for yours if you don't tell anyone about this, and then they sorted out the details of the escape. 
She lowered them out of her window in the city wall with a scarlet rope, and the plan was for her to leave that scarlet rope tied in the window so that they could identify the house where she and her family were to stay and to wait if they wanted to be saved. The significance of that scarlet rope, well, that's pretty easy, isn't it? The red colour represents the blood or the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross, and it's also a sign of safety. Rahab was saved by faith, just like any, like any one of us, but she was also she was justified by faith, but James tells us that her faith was also demonstrated by her works. James 2, 25 to 26. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James is bringing out here that Rahab's actions demonstrated her faith in the same way that Abraham's actions demonstrated his faith. Abraham believed God's promise, but when God asked him to sacrifice his son through whom the promise would be fulfilled, he obeyed because he believed that God would raise him from the dead. And so he obeyed right up to the moment when he was about to plunge the knife into his son's heart. And it was only at that point that God called out and stopped him. In verse 18, James says, I will show you my faith by what I do. And we also need to take every opportunity to demonstrate our faith by the things that we do. Rahab believed and acted on her faith by hiding the spies and by trusting in, God, in the God of Israel to keep them all, spa, all safe. And she was taking a huge risk here in what she was doing because if she'd been caught, they would have gouged her eyes out cut off her tongue and her hands and dragged her half alive through the streets before they stoned her to death as a traitor. And that is really nasty. She risked her, risked her life for God, just like many Christians around the world are doing today. Now, fortunately, her story had a happy ending. Jericho was considered an invincible city, but as we know, God miraculously caused the, wall, caused the walls to fall down, and only Rahab and her family survived of that whole city. And they were allowed to live peacefully among the Israelites. Rahab's faith is also seen in her obedience and following the instructions that the spies gave her. As soon as they left, she tied the scarlet rope in the window and got her family members together, and they waited. And our faith is seen in obedience to God's word too. And in this day and age when you know so many people are having financial difficulties, tithing is a good, a good example there. Now, we don't know what Rahab's relationship with her family was like, but with her Lifestyle, it could well have been, you know, um, strained to some extent, but she wasn't just thinking of herself here. The redeemed prostitute pleaded with the spies for the life of her parents and brothers and sisters. And we see here a heart of gold in this bad girl. Her deep concern for her family is possibly the first evidence of her changed life. 
and faith and forgiveness go hand in hand. Rahab was a remarkable woman who demonstrated remarkable faith. But God's forgiveness is even more remarkable because Rahab's faith affected her and her family. But God's forgiveness is for everyone and anyone who will receive it by faith as she did. And salvation is about having our sins forgiven and having the slate wiped clean. And it's given to us as a free gift, free but not cheap, because Jesus paid for it at the great cost of laying down his sinless life and dying in our place. Now the sad thing is that a lot of people choke over receiving salvation as a gift because they think that, oh, that's just too easy. A Christian author wrote an article on forgiveness and of course someone objected. He said, with all due respect, the article about forgiveness seems to be nothing more than exactly what all murderers and criminals want to hear so that they can keep committing their crimes because God and his good people are suckers and will keep on forgiving them no matter what they do. Well, we know that even as Christians, we can struggle to accept God's forgiveness and to extend it to others. We're nowhere near as forgiving as God is, especially if we have to forgive someone over and over. But God is no sucker. He can forgive, he can be full of forgiveness and grace and mercy because of what Jesus has done, as long as we come to him in the right way, which is by faith. He forgave Rahab for her life of prostitution, for her lies, and for whatever else she had done. He forgave David for adultery and murder. He forgave Peter for his denials. He forgave Paul for persecuting Christians, and he will forgive us for anything. 1 John 1 and verse 9, and this verse was written to Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Rahab's past did not cancel out the future that God had for her, which included saving her and her family, allowing them to live in safety, and even more, getting married to one of the spies and having a family of her own. But God had even more than that. Rahab had a son called Boaz, a kind and godly man that we know from the book of Ruth. And Boaz crops up in the genealogy or the family tree of King David, and more importantly, in the earthly genealogy of David's greatest son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Rahab's name lives on, and she continues to give hope to all the bad girls and their parents and the bad boys and the good girls and the good guys too because we're all sinners. And just one more verse on that, just to make sure we all get it. Romans 3 and verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. Everyone's got a past and God has a future for everyone. And he can take even the bad things in our past and use them for good. Romans 8 verse 28 tells us that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God causes all things to work together for good. He takes the past and uses it 
I think most of us know that recovering addicts are usually the best people to help other addicts because they've been there. And it's the same for so many other issues. If you Google um, Rahab Ministries, you will see page after page of organisations from all over the world. Today, Rahab's name is more often linked to rescuing prostitutes than being a prostitute. The name Rahab has been taken on by many organisations involved in rescuing and restoring women and children caught up in sex traffic, trafficking and slavery, prostitution, violence, abuse and addictions all around the globe. Hilda is just one example. Her family in Costa Rica was so poor, her mother sold her into sexual slavery when she was four years old, which is just so hideous. She worked in a brothel, and all her money went to her mother. She felt ugly and dirty and ashamed. As the years went on, she got into alcohol and cocaine to try and numb her pain. When she was a teenager, she had two children, but her mother took them off her, telling her that a filthy person like her couldn't raise children. She worked hard to earn money for her children. Sometimes she had 100 clients a day. One day she refused to do something a client wanted, so we pulled out a knife and then he hit her with a baseball bat and split her head open. They took her to the hospital and she lay there trying to work out how she could kill herself. But in the end, she knelt down by her bed and pleaded with God for a way out of her horrible life. And God gave her a vision and she saw the words, look for Rahab Foundation. Now this was remarkable because Rahab was barely literate. I mean, when the other kids were at school, she was being a prostitute. And Rahab isn't even in the Spanish language, and yet she saw those words. And a nurse helped her to find the phone number. So she rang it, and the phone rang and rang and rang. And finally, a woman called Mariliana answered it. And she explained that the foundation was closed that day and she had just popped in to pick something up. And she heard, you know, and she, and she got that phone call. Now, Mariana told her that God loved her and that she would help her to get out of prostitution and start a new life. She took Hilda to her home and she looked after her. And for Hilda, it was almost like a dream. She could hardly believe it. Now, in time, she must have got her children back because she said, Mariliana taught me how to be a real mother to my children, and now I'm studying a trade to make a living for the glory of God. Hilda had an appalling past, but God had a future for her. He's got a future for me, for you, for every one of us, good, bad, or average, new Christian, non-Christian, been a Christian 30 years, our past doesn't have to define our life. Rahab gives us all hope. She had a past, God had a future, a plan, a second chance. And you might be thinking, I think I've blown my second chance. Well, God has more. He never gives up on us. And we never need to give up either. 
and don't give up on sowing good seed in the most unlikely places. And never give up praying for your prodigals and your loved ones who seem to be so far from God because God can do anything. So let's just pray. God, I thank you that you have given us the story of Rahab the prostitute. I thank you, God, that you take everyone with a past and you give us a future. God, you are so kind and so good. And Lord, I just pray that you would let the, the truths of your word give us all hope, Lord, for ourselves, Lord, for those that we are praying for, family and friends and loved ones. And God, I just pray for, for the parents here, Lord, who have prodigal daughters and sons, and pray, pray God, that you would just renew their hope, renew their faith, and God, that you would turn their prodigals around and bring them back, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.